Would you please join with me in prayer? Lord, it is such a privilege to gather together as your people this morning. After we've just gone through seven weeks of just rediscovering, and for some, discovering the love of Jesus. We love you, Lord. And we pray that as we we come into this discussion of the gift of giving, the grace of giving, that we would see it as you see it. And that, Lord, you would give us eyes to see and illumined hearts to respond as you would have us respond so that we would see you pour out an abundance upon us in all ways, Lord God, as we walk into 2021. For in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Story is told about a strict Benedictine order of monks in Europe about a hundred years ago. They, they, they were so strict that they were never allowed to talk throughout the year except in prayer to God. So they all had duties around the monastery, but they couldn't talk to one another. Except on New Year's Day, one monk was chosen to address, address the brothers. So the abbot would choose one monk to speak. And they looked forward to the annual address each and every year. And so the year came by, and it was New Year's Day, and they were all eating their breakfast, and the monk stood up to speak, and he said, You know, the oatmeal that we eat here at breakfast is way too lumpy. (laughs) He sat down. Well, that was an arrow across the bow. And so they waited the next year, and they were wondering, what would the next month say in response to that? So New Year's Day, year two, came along, and another monk, who was a little younger, stood up and said, the oatmeal that we eat here at breakfast is too runny. And he he sat down. Well, the abbot was getting a little nervous about this, and so the year three came along, so he chose a wise, older monk to stand up. So he did on New Year's Day, and they're all waiting. They couldn't wait to hear what was the the word from the Holy Spirit to the whole monastery, to which he said, I'm tired about all this arguing about oatmeal. (laughs) I say that, fictional story this morning to you to make a point as we walk into this subject matter that we're about to address over the next three weeks. And that is, lest you think that Christ Church always talks about trying to get your money, we speak about it as often as these monks speak about oatmeal. Typically, every year on Stewardship Sunday as we make our pledges, which this year is November 15th, is the only really day of the year which is solely focused on stewardship. But we haven't done a stewardship series since 2010 here at Christ Church. So it's not that we're always after people's money because really the Lord, we speak about it as the texts bring it up and on Stewardship Sunday, but that's about it, quite frankly. And we thought, as a leadership on Vestry, I brought it up a couple months ago, just we're going to, coming out of COVID, coming out of these uncertain times, is probably a good idea for us 
to revisit the idea of what does it mean for us to be stewards of all that God has given us. In other words, everything that the Lord has given us is His. Therefore, we are trustees or stewards of that which He's given us in our time, in our ministry, and in our money. Because you learn a lot about a person as you look at their bank account. Your online giving statement is, is all we really need to know about the depth of the person's walk with Christ generally. And that's true. And so, having said that, we're going to dive into Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. Written about 55, 56 A.D., a year after he had written his first letter to the church in Corinth. To learn a lot about how we can be faithful in the giving of our time and in our ministry and, yes, of our treasure. So turn with me in your Bibles. Let's look, let's look at this, shall we? Paul is pointing to the Macedonian church here in, in Corinth. He's writing the Corinthians. And one day I'll walk through First and Second Corinthians for us, and if I title this series, I'll title it, Paul's second letter to the American church. Because we're just like them. The only thing we don't have like them is temple prostitution. You know, there's no legal temple prostitution in America. Everything else we have. Everything. Okay? We're oversexed. We're wealthy. We're turned inward. And that's the culture we live in. You know, here. In 2021 here in America. And so... Quite frankly, it's easy to look at this and say, okay, I get what Paul is trying to say. And he points out these Macedonians are incredibly generous to the Jerusalem church. Because Paul is taking up a collection, as we'll discover in verse chapter 9 in a couple weeks. He's taking up a collection to go support the struggling and persecuted church in Jerusalem. And so with that in mind, and when we speak of Macedonia, it's a region. It's like Northeast Ohio. It's not one church in Macedonia. It's all these little cities in Macedonia. It's a lot of them. And they're being persecuted and they're utterly impoverished. But yet they're giving generously. And we can learn a lot from them. And what Paul is saying is it all depends upon the heart. You know, because some people think, you know, well, that's just for the rich people. Their God is their money and their possessions and what have you. And they're the ones who are struggling with that. And some people think, well, I wish I had that problem. <laughs> no, it's just as much a problem for a person without as a person as it is with it. As we're certainly going to demonstrate, money has great power, and it can be constructive or destructive. So let's look at this passage. And what we're going to learn are two great principles here. First, we learn the Macedonian example is that God owns it all. All right, verses 2 through 5, Paul writes, For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. It was a wealth of generosity on the Macedonians' part. 
Why? Because they gave themselves first to the Lord in this act of grace, as we see in verse 7. That's what Paul calls this. It's, it's all seated to excel in this act of grace also. Paul can't mean that the Macedonians just gave their lives to Christ. They're not baby Christians. A, a Christian is somebody who has surrendered all of his life, his or her life, to the Lord. So what Paul is meaning is that the Macedonians saw a need. They also recognized their own poverty. They also responded to the fact that they were fully surrendered unto the Lord. That God literally owned them. They were the ma- he was the master. They were the servants. And everything that they physically owned was the Lord's. They recognized it and they responded to it. And they were financially liberated. It's an amazing thing that whenever a Christian gets this, they feel, experience liberation and freedom. Everything they had belonged to God. It's a principle in the Bible. Psalm 24.1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Job 41.11, everything under heaven belongs to me. Now, you hear those words, and I know some of you think probably, maybe not, I hope not, but it's a temptation. And I'll bet you when you first started to be a believer or started before you're a believer, you thought this way. Because people think, well, wait a minute. Everything I have, I've earned by my own sweat and my own brow. I worked my tail off to get to where I am. Okay, I don't doubt that, but the Bible would say, okay, where'd you get your tail? Are you your creator? Why aren't you physically, mentally disabled? Where'd you get your intellect? Where'd you get the health to work your tail off? You know, we live in a country right now where the person who sweeps the floor makes 70% higher than most of the working class around the world. Lots of people would like to live here. And we do. So the question is, where do you get the wherewithal to work your tail off? God. It's a gift to you and to me. And it's all throughout the Bible that we were built to take care of things. To take care of people. To take care of possessions. That's exactly why Adam was built this way. We're all built this way. It's part of our human dignity. There's no really being made in the image of God unless you have a piece of the world to care for. Right? So in other words, you're a steward. (laughs) You're a trustee, and we live in a world of trustees. And our task is to care for the resources or rob God. There's only two ways we can go. We care for it, or we are robbing, stealing from God. That's the language the Bible uses. Malachi 3, God is speaking to the people of Israel saying, Will you rob me? And they say, Well, how are we robbing you? And God speaks through Malachi, you're robbing me through your tithes and your offerings. That means simply, if everything you own is God's, he says in his words, I want 
a significant amount of it to be used for my glory and for my kingdom. For three great reasons. Number one, we give to God's kingdom in the local church. We give to meet the needs of the saints. And three, to meet the needs of the poor in our area. We've got an exciting announcement, announcement at, the, at, the, uh, at the offering time that Zach's going to share with us. That we can partner with the Avon Lake City Schools coming up. Thanksgiving and Christmas season. No, those are the three great causes that God wants us to get involved with. And we might think to ourselves, no, it's my money. And God says, no, it's not. It's, it's, it's my money. You're my steward. It's all yours, Lord. All yours, Lord. And the reality is, is when we release it, it's unleashed in great power to be a blessing to the world and to make much of Jesus as we do so. God owns it all. Thank you, first century Macedonian church, for modeling this for us. And secondly, Paul doesn't stop there. He gives us the greatest example of all in our Lord Jesus because Jesus personally gave everything. Look at verses 8 and 9. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Did you hear that? I am not commanding you. If anybody could tell us what to do, it would be St. Paul, wouldn't it? This guy planted more churches than anybody in human history. Gave his life completely. And yet, he says, I'm not telling you what to give. You know, I, that's not my place. Instead, he says, I can't command you. But I want you to test. This is the test he's giving us. Whether or not you remember and know the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because it doesn't matter. How rich you are, how poor you are, how good looking you are, what is in your bank account, how honest you are, how moral you are. Each of us in our own merit, our, our righteousness is as filthy rags. We need a Savior. And Jesus had to come and die for us and pay the penalty that we deserved. And as we receive him as Savior and Lord, you get real riches you really do you get the riches of adoption you get the riches of a family you get the riches of acceptance you get the riches of his righteousness and the holy spirit is poured out upon you and empowering you to live the life you've been called to live as you join the lord at work around you that's real riches and when you know that, when you really, really, really get that, priorities start to change. You begin to look at your physical and your material possessions really differently. And if you know the grace of Jesus Christ, it changes the way you look at them. Let me give you two examples. Number one, the tithe. All right? Let's talk about that. One, the Old Testament required all believers to give a tenth of their gross income each year. The New Testament 
Doesn't say much about the tithe. Doesn't say very much about it at all, except indirectly. So what are we to conclude? I'll tell you what we are to conclude. We can conclude this. Are we more blessed or less blessed than Old Testament believers? You tell me. Are we more indebted or less indebted than Old Testament believers? Are we more responsible or less responsible than Old Testament believers? And every single one of those, the answer is more. All the way down the line, the real question is, is it possible that the New Testament says, well, the Old Testament believers were called to give the tithe, you not so much. The reason the New Testament doesn't bring up the tithes is because Jesus didn't tithe his life. He didn't climb up on the cross and in three minutes step down and say, all right, I gave a tenth, thank you, I'm done. Right? He gave it all. And the point is, I believe that the only possible explanation is the Old Testament standard is a rock bottom of minimum for the New Testament believer. It's something we aim for. And for some, that's going to be tough. And they shoot for it. And they may not get there. But I'm not going to tell you what to give. I'm not going to know what you give. I don't, I don't know that information. All I see is a bottom number. But then there's those who, off the gross, they give a tenth and they didn't even sweat. It's a rule of thumb. And it's a starting point. The second way you see your life changing is your lifestyle. Notice in verse 3, speaking about the Macedonians, how did they give? For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. They didn't give because, oh, for crying out loud, it's Stewardship Sunday. I got to make a pledge. What, do you, what should we give, Gladys? You're right? Giving out of guilt or duty. No. The motivation is a giving out of a love for what Jesus has done. What does beyond their means mean? The limita- ordinarily, the limitations of your giving are on your own needs, and you store some away for future needs and ex- emergencies. And so then beyond that, you give. But what the Macedonian Christian churches did was they literally cut into their lifestyle. They said, we're going to give to the point that it actually changes my life, how we live. It changes the level of my necessities. I would have to say that giving that we're talking about in 2 Corinthians means it's radical enough so that it changes how you live. You forego legitimate wants to fulfill legitimate needs in God's church, in His kingdom, in God's people, and in the community for the marginalized. But what we do is like the farmer. Farmer comes in and says, Sweetheart, great news. Bessie is going to give birth to twin calves in the springtime. It's going to be great. And what we'll do is we'll, give, we'll keep one calf and we'll give the other to the Lord. 
And she goes, oh, honey, that's a great idea. I'll let Pastor Johnson know that. Well, two months go by, and he comes in one morning and says, sweetheart, I got terrible news. And she goes, what's that? The Lord's calf died. She, she, she said, I, I didn't realize we, we chose which one died. He said, oh, yeah, it was the Lord's calf that died. They haven't been born yet. Oh, but the Lord's calf died. See, that's what we do. The Lord's calf always dies. My friends, it's important that we know what our motivation is. It's out of a love for Jesus and the cross. As we excel in this gift of grace of giving, it's important that we take the long view here in our giving. The really long view. You know, the Bible says, put your money into things that last. Uh, you know, if you had a teenager who, let's say you had a, a rich uncle who died and he left your kid $50,000. And that, 50, that kid goes out and buys $50,000 worth of food, clothes, and video games. What would you say? What are you doing? $50,000? You should have you invested some of it and be wise with that money, right? It's a stupid thing to do. Listen, friends. Only one billionth of your existence will be spent on this earth. Do you understand that? When the sun is so old that it dies, we're going to be around to see it. The real question is, are we putting our money into things that will outlast the sun? Because much of the things that we put our money into are just going to burn up with it. <laughs> so let's, let's look at the questions that this text is asking of us. Paul has asked us to take a test here. That's what he, he says, to test you. Number one, have I truly surrendered all of my life under Jesus Christ. It is said in the third century when the Roman Empire became the Holy Roman Empire, if you want to be a citizen of Rome, you had to get baptized. So you know not many of the people who got baptized fully understood what they were doing, right? Uh, the Emperor Constantine got baptized. Well, if the Emperor gets baptized, you're going to get baptized. So they weren't getting baptized out of Holy Spirit conviction. They were getting baptized because they had to. And so these Roman soldiers, but they understood. They understood the implications of the baptism, which says, I go down to the waters of baptism, I get washed clean, and then all of my life dies, and I come up as a new creation in Jesus. And the Roman soldiers, many of them, it is said, as they went down to the water, pulled their sword out of their sheath, and left the sword out of the water. Because, Lord, you can have all of me, but not this. And so many modern-day Christians say, Lord, you can have all of me, but not my wallet. Does he have all of you? All of you? That's why I've entitled this preparation. Let's, let's take this to the Lord this week. Does he really have 
my time? Am, am I taking the 15 minutes just to spend some time in the Bible? A few minutes in prayer every day, praying the five targets of the Lord's Prayer. Spending time with Him, and out of that abundant life, I'm, I'm contributing in ministry here at Christ Church because we got needs, man. We still got needs. And three, I'm giving Him my, my money. And the vestry disperses it as we see God at work. It's exciting what the Lord's doing. Giving us opportunities. There are five families taking membership matters. We haven't had five families take membership matters in six years. And that's during a time of pandemic. Do you think the Lord is doing something? I think so. I think so. People need the Lord. And there's great opportunity out there. Secondly, do I forego legitimate wants to supply legitimate needs? As I look at my budget and I consider my pledge for 2021, keep that in mind. And third, do I give in response to Jesus' example? Or do I give in response because it's Stewardship Sunday? <laughs> Come on, Gladys. Pony up. You know? No. Last night was Halloween. And, uh, you know, it's, just, it's great to see kids. I, my favorite costume was the Mandalorian. You know? Mandalorian, one kid had a Mandalorian costume. It was awesome. Hey, what, what kind of kid do you want? They come back home with their, all their candy. Because this was, this was in my house. My dad couldn't eat chocolate. The poor guy. And so my mom, I came home and she goes, you know, before I left, she goes, get me a good one. Get me something good, honey. And so, you know, back then we could, we could trick-or-treat for three hours, you know. So we'd be out with a pillowcase, fill that sucker up. And say, hey, mommy, I got some good stuff. And my mom would take just one little candy bar. What kind of kid do you want? Lord, do you want some? Or, now, I'm going to keep this. It's all for me. Enough candy to Easter. No. We give in response to the love of Jesus on the cross. So let's take those next two weeks and let's pray about it because the Lord's doing good work through each and every one of us as we seek to follow him going into 2021. And it's going to be an exciting year no matter what happens in the world. We're going to be in his kingdom and join him at the work he's doing because we're stepping forward and saying, Lord, it's all yours. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful once again for this day and grateful for your love for us in Jesus. We come to you and we pray that you would help us to see on any aspect of this where we're falling short. It's all yours. And we thank you for the Macedonian churches who were persecuted, some dying for their faith and, and impoverished. They, were, they, were, they had nothing to give, like the widow and Mark. I pray that we would give it all. Give as much as you would call us to. And, and Lord, we thank you that Paul says, I can't decide that for you. But we just want to be faithful to you in all aspects of our lives so that you would receive glory in and through us this upcoming year. 
For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.